Hello, I'm Giles Brandreth, and you are... Susie Dent. And look, Susie, today I want us to begin with a bit of a vocal Mm warm-up, because my daughter said to me that she listens to podcasts going to work on the underground, and if the diction isn't clear, she misses things. And obviously, she doesn't want to miss what we're saying. So, uh, you know, to get the mouth ready. I learned this from a great actor called Sir Donald Sindon. Yes. Did you ever know who I, I do you know, know who Donald Sindon. My mum absolutely loved Donald Sindon. Well, he was a great classical actor, as well yeah. as being on television and things like Never the Twain, uh, the two of us. Marvellous man. Very fruity. Yes. Very fruity. And he said to me, Giles, when it comes to diction, you've got to remember that vowels are what give you volume. And consonants are what give you clarity. Vowels for volume, consonants for clarity. And he had this little warm-up exercise. He always did it in the dressing room before going onto the stage. So we'll do it now. I'll do it once, then you can repeat it, and the whole nation can join in. Please don't ask me to roll my R's because I can't. For a linguist, this is a big impediment, I can tell you. But apparently it's genetic, whether you can or not. Well, fortunately, and I can't. this doesn't involve any R's, really. Good. This involves um, uh, vowels and consonants. Oh, good. Right up my street. Right up your street. <laughs> Here goes. Hip bath, hip bath, lavatory, lavatory, bidet, bidet, douche. You got that? I think so. Hip bath, hip bath, lavatory, lavatory, bidet, bidet, douche. And remembering it's vowels for volume, consonants for clarity. All together okay. now. One. Two, three. Hip bath, hip bath, lavatory, lavatory, bidet, bidet, douche. Got to get the douche going. Douche. Let's just do it once more. Okay. And I want everybody joining in. And don't, if you're on the underground or the bus, don't feel self-conscious. <laughs> no, don't, don't. There may be somebody else listening at the very same moment to this Maybe podcast. Maybe whisper douche there if you're looking at someone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Ready? One, two, three. Hip bath, hip bath. Bath, lavatory, 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 bidet, bidet, douche. Not everyone knows what a bidet is. No. Or indeed how to spell it. I have a nice etymological fact about a bidet. Oh, tell me the etymological fact about a bidet. It comes from the French for pony because you sit astride it. Oh, good grief. Yes. Well, you're rather giving away what it is. It is a piece of bathroom um, masonry or... Um, furniture. Uh, furniture. Bathroom furniture. And it became a vogue item in the 1950s. When I was a very little boy, I remember people talking about bidet. Days, and I wasn't quite sure what it was for, uh, you know, what people use them for. And then I heard a, a lovely story about a film director called Billy Wilder. Mm. Heard of Billy Wilder? I have. Who made uh, Some Like It Hot, that great Marilyn Monroe film. Anyway, made lots of movies in the 1950s. And he was in France making a film in the 1950s, and his wife wanted to have a B-Day back in Hollywood. She wanted to have the first B-Day in Hollywood. And so she said to her husband, you got to get a B-Day when you're in Paris. Get it shipped back. We want to have the first B-Day in LA. They're all the talk in Europe, all the rage. i got to have a B-Day. Anyway, uh, Billy Wilder gets a day off, goes all around Paris. He cannot find a B-Day anywhere. There's been a run on the B-Days. So he, there's no B-Day to send to his wife. So he sends her a cable, a wire, a telegram explaining this. And he says simply in this telegram, Unable find B-Day, stop. Suggest headstand in shower, stop. <laughs> like it. Yeah, I good. like it. But it's a French word, isn't it? It is, absolutely. As B- I say, little B-day. pony. Little pony, a bidet, a little pony. And you sit astride it. Yeah. Sit astride it, yes. It's I haven't tried, have you? No. How do you spell B-Day? With a T. B-I-D-E-T. Yes. Why is it not B-I-D-E, acute accent? Uh, because it's a diminutive in French, which means it's a little 
uh, pony oh. is, is, as I say, where the, it's the origin of it. So, so anything so, that is like like minuet is a little something. A yes, little you don't tend to have your ear cutes when that happens. It's a little something. So this is taking me way back to my university days. But yes, no ear cute. And actually, you'll find in English, and we'll talk about foreign words, won't we, at some point in we another must. podcast. But uh, when French words go into the dictionary, they tend to lose their accents over time. Oh. Mm. So there are fewer and fewer accents in there French are. as the years go by. Well, not in French itself, but in French words that then get naturalised in English. We tend to drop the accents. Now, tell me all about this spelling. This spelling thing is a bit of a nightmare. Who invented it? Who decided how we spell words? Does it matter? Gosh, huge, huge questions there. OK, I'll start with the first one. Who invented it? Uh, the answer, as with the entirety of the English language, is we all did. We have no academy. We have no government. We have nobody saying, this is how you're going to spell things from now on. We know we have no government. We read the newspapers. (laughs) (laughs) However, we do obviously have a standard. And the Uh. trouble with English spelling is that... We sort of had a standard once printing came about, once William Caxton uh, had his printing press and and, uh, started to distribute and disseminate lots and lots of different texts. We kind of evolved a standard then. But uh, what happened then was uh, people meddling, basically, people meddling with our language whereby... Uh, scholars, for example, uh, during the Renaissance decided to return English to its classical roots and so they decided to stick in a whole load of silent letters to um, show that they knew the Latin origin of some of these words, but the pronunciation didn't change. So doubt, B, they stuck that in because the Latin dubitum. Uh, Simon, oh, good L, grief. Et cetera, et cetera. Hold on, now this is fascinating. So doubt, I mean, yes. what, you're talking about the Renaissance. What period is this? When When is Caxton? When Up until... William Caxton, the inventor mm. of print, the printing press? Yes, we're talking 16th century there. People and just spoke words to one another. And it was largely they, oral, yes. And then you wrote down a word the way it sounded. Yes. Which is why Shakespeare, there are sort of 16 or 26 versions of his in his own handwriting. because of just, his own name. Of his own and name, because he just wrote down what it sounded like that day. None of them correspond to the one we use today. So... Up until that time, which is around 1600, Mm -hmm. people are really spelling words any way they like. Yes, it was just glorious abandon. It was wonderful. We had dialect words. We had, um, you know, just completely individualised spelling. And nobody really cared because, as you say, communication was largely oral. If it was written down, um, as long as it was clear, and in those days it was largely phonetic. So to go back to doubt, that was spelt D-O-W-T. In Old English. As sounds doubt. Perfect. Doubt, that's the very word. Perfect. But no, one single, probably single, um, scribe, as I say, who was translating quite, you know, in, in, a, in a really positive effort to translate from Latin into vernacular English so people could understand the Bible more, for example. Um, you know, so that, that was a very extremely good cause. But they saw that D-O-W-T and thought, hang on a second, the Latin is dubitum. And which so, means what? Which means doubt. Oh, it's the same word. Same word. And so our English word doubt comes from the Latin dubitum and they thought the origin is D-U-B-I-T-U-M. So they thought, I'm going to stick a B in there. 
and uh, the U, the W became a U, and we're stuck with that silent B. We we never ever pronounced it, uh, which is extraordinary. Same plumber. Why doesn't plumber rhyme with lumber? Uh, that goes back to the Romans word plumbum, meaning a lead pipe. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, so it makes absolute sense, etymologically speaking, but we didn't have the B before those scribes came around. Uh, so, so many, so much meddling with, with their So with the scribes words. are the characters who appear in the cartoons. Mm. Or Blackadder. Uh, yes. yes. And they're writing at great length with beautiful manuscripts. Oh, go to the Bodleian Library and you will see the results of their work. I'm not undermining what they did. It was astonishing the amount of effort that they put into it. So things. somebody, these scribes, tried to impose an order because they thought we want to share this. They were driven probably by religious zeal. Many of mm-hmm. these people, the educated people, were monks and they were writing out and they wanted people to be able to share these biblical texts and they thought it'll be easier if it's all written in a script that everybody can understand and share. Yes. So it was well-intentioned. It was well-intentioned and they saw in Latin a pure language, a classical language that followed rules, uh, that had integrity and so they wanted to impose a little bit of that on the chaos as they saw it of, of you know, old English. The Anglo-Saxon yes, ca- English. excuse me, may I stop you for a moment? Chaos. Why is that not K-A-O-S? Because it's from the Greek. Chaos. I know we were influenced by the French there. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Latin, Greek, French. Oh, so Just many influences. Tell me about chaos and why the CH in chaos is hard. Uh, okay. Uh, why it's hard? I thought you were saying Because why in it's... Irish they say, oh, terrible. In in the plays of uh, Sean O'Casey, is a terrible c- case of chassis. The world's in a terrible state of chassis. I apologise for my Irish accent. Chassis is how they sometimes say chaos mm. in Irish. Mm-hmm. Why do we say chaos? Well... I think it must have been the fault, if you want to say fault, but I actually love all this complete, lovely, glorious mess, as I say. Um, I think it was under influence of the pesky Normans because the French for chaos is chaos or cow. Cow. Hard K. And so we, we discovered them. No, C-H. But pronounced cow. Pronounced, yeah. So... Oh, I'd have to get a French etymological dictionary as to why they made it a hard, uh, a hard C. But um, you're right. I've never thought about why it should be chaos, chaos. So these pronunciations go back a thousand years and more. Where does it all come from, this? And, and why do we put up with it? Well, I think it's great that we put up with it. Well, as I say, we have no academy, although there are societies. You say we have no academy as though some people do have academies. Yes, France, Spain, Germany to some extent. Uh, they like to employ, impose some kind of um, linguistic government. And but the we've academy in these countries, these are po-faced people. No, I probably. don't think they're po-faced. Oh. I think they just care for the integrity and purity of their language. But, you know, resistance is futile, as they say. Um, and we've talked about this, haven't we? How the, how the sort of French academy is helpless in the face of English imports. But foreign influences are key when it comes to spelling because... Part of the reason why we spell things differently is we have hoovered up words from every single tongue that we have encountered in the history of English and English speaking. And uh, so we borrow from native words and quite often we will borrow the spelling, whether that's French, uh, whether it's from uh, Native American languages, uh, whether it's from going right back to Latin and Greek. All of these different influences have come to bear upon our languages with Vikings, for example, as well. So the reason is that this will account also um, for why our plurals are so irregular. You know, why is it um, moose but not meese, like goose and geese, etc.? answer is they come from completely different languages. Oh, so it usually is go back to the source of the word. Yes. What we... is the correct spelling of hiccup? Hiccup. Well, it began as a hiccup. Hiccough. 
Oh, it's a hoff. It's, it's a, a cough, in which yes. you make a hick sound. Which makes a hick sound. Um, hick in cough. fact, I have to just add this. This is completely random and, and uh, of no use to anyone. But the German for a hiccup is schluckauf, which is a swallow up, which I love. Can I say, it's, down, a, swallow up. it's of great use to a lot of people. Some people on first dates find the conversation difficult to make. <laughs> Does it dry up? And can I say, <laughs> this is... So if you're listening to this and you've been unlucky in love so far, listen to what Susie is saying and you can play these wonderful lines when there's a sort of terrible silence at the dinner table and you can't think what to say next. You can say, oh, I think I'm getting the hiccups. Did you know that the German word for hiccup is said again? Schluckauf. Schluck auf. Yes, swallow up. Swallow up. Schluck auf. Swallow up. Yeah, drink up. This date is over. Yeah, guten Tag. Oh dear. Okay, so we'll up. tackle stereotypes no, but hold some on. other time. Hiccup yes. Yes. then becomes, because I, I would say nowadays, hiccup would be acceptable as H-I-C-C-U-P. It is in the dictionary as such. And that we changed that simply because it made sense. Uh, rather like the German, in fact, to think that we are hicking upwards. <laughs> Um, the hick is purely echoic, as they say, onomatopoeic. It just, it just is, isn't it? It's born of its sound, um, and then it seems like we're doing it upwards. So it makes sense to say hiccup instead of a hiccup. Do you know how to cure the hiccups? Uh, I've tried various things. Have you got a novel remedy? Well, no, but the drinking water out of mm, the wrong side of the cup does mm. work. Okay. I find standing on your head works. Mm. A little bit more difficult as the years go by, <laughs> but I'm ready to give it a go. And a shock. A fright. Right. That can really work. Of course, it can kill you. But you can't do it to yourself, that's the thing. Well, you can't tickle yourself. You can't surprise yourself, can you? Can you not tickle yourself? No. Absolutely not. Are you sure? Positive. Really? Yes. I'm so, I'm so glad about this. I have a tickling phobia. That's for another time. You really can't tickle yourself? No. What, you, it's like you can't... No. This, and you can't... Can I say, this is why people are tuning in. Because, you know, <laughs> with, uh, with this amazing something rhymes with purple, you live and learn. Then, of course, you die and forget it all. But in the interim, uh, you can't tickle yourself. You can't tickle yourself. There are two types of tickling. One is called gargalesis, which is the heavy, sort of rough and tumble tickling kind. And the other is... Gargalesis, forgive gargalesis. me. Is that one other... of your trio of words for today? Oh, it could be. Gargalesis. Is... What is the origin of that? Um, good point. Gargalesis. It's going to be Latin or Greek uh, because we tend to... Give those to medical conditions. Leave that one with me. I'll okay, we'll come back on gargalesis. And then the light tickling with a feather kind is called kinismesis. Anyway, kinismesis. Kinismesis. So you can ask your date when you've got through that first bit of making the conversation about the hiccups. You can say, "Do you fancy either a what were the two of them? Uh, well, some gargalesis or some kinismesis?" I think we begin with the kin. How do you spell the kinismesis? K n i s m e s i s. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious.
The reason I think spelling is important, and I know I am old school, is it's all about communication, but we live in a world where people are judgmental. And if you apply for a job, you send an email in applying for the job, and there are spelling mistakes in the application, or you do a CV and it contains spelling mistakes, people will think, oh, this person is sloppy. They don't know what the standard English is. Mm. So people, I think, need help with spelling. And fortunately, there are rules for spelling, but unfortunately, they are not very helpful. Um, no. I mean, the, the principal rule that people know is the I before E except after C. It's the oh, most yeah. famous of all the spelling rules and the most frustrating because for a start, people get the rule all wrong. It's I before E except after C, except when your foreign neighbour, Keith, receives eight counterfeit beige sleighs from feisty, caffeinated weightlifters. <laughs> That's my example of, you know, when the rule doesn't apply. The point is, the rule is not I before E except after C. The rule is, it's I before E except after C if the vowel rhymes with B. But that doesn't work for Cs. It works a lot. It works for achieve, believe, brief, chief, deceive, fiend... Receipt, receive, what doesn't it work for? Seize. What? Seize. How do you spell, what's the word? To seize the moment. S-E-O-I-C. No, no, the it doesn't thing work, is, oh, it doesn't work for caffeine e, either, does it? The I before E works for about 20% of English Oh, words. I'm thinking of lots more it doesn't work. It doesn't work for species, does it? No. Or protein. Or plebeian. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so what do we do? What we do is we learn a bit of etymology. Okay. I would say that. So we, if you if you learn some word origins and delve like word detectives do into the history of particular words, yep. you can really help yourself out. So definitely one of the top commonly misspelled words, definitely. Most people, I say most, a lot of people will spell it definitely, yep. which, you know, which is understandable. But as you say in a CV, slightly worrying. Uh, remember that it comes from the Latin. This is straight etymology. This is kind of etymology. It's a slightly boring kind. Etymology of means the source, the origin. Yes, the word origin. So remember that it comes from the Latin finire, which oh, gave us Finnish. No, but it gave us Finnish. So remember that definitely is a, is a sibling of Finnish and you'll get the two eyes, because definite means something that comes to a conclusion. It ah, finishes. finite. So remember that. Definitely. Yes. Now, there if you're you really, really getting into advanced spelling, and, and believe me, when I talk to my daughter about what she has to learn at school, at a very tender age, she'll have things like apocryphal. Ooh. Can you spell apocryphal for me, Giles? I'm trying to remember what it means. Uh, apocryphal... It apocryphal me- story is It's a story that is... Oh, it's made up. People believe it to be true, but it isn't. Yeah, that's how we use it's it today. It's invented. Yes. A-P-O-C... R-Y-P-H-A-L. Excellent. 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 Now, the key thing there is it's got a Y, and that's because it's related to crypt. And that's because apocryphal, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but apocryphal originally meant something that was sort of secret, that it was kept private, so people would never actually find out the truth, which is why they made things up about it. No, I think it's good to have little tricks. I mean, I remember, for example, that the word achieve, achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, I before E, to achieve success. You know, you achieve mm-hmm. by remembering the rule I before E. So mm-hmm. there are different ways. I mean, but it is difficult, isn't it? It's incredibly difficult. Um, what What is, I mean, I think the trick is to, to to think the if there's a word that you find particularly difficult, that you know you do, you can never remember whether address is 1D 
or two Ds in mm-hmm. the word address. Mm-hmm. You know, to address an envelope or somebody lives in an address. You think of a phrase, you know, direct, directly delivered letters arrive safe and sound. So it becomes a kind of mnemonic, uh, kind of memory thing. Mm-hmm. Is, that, yeah, mnemon- is that useful? <clears throat> Mnemonics are good if you can remember the mnemonics. Because usually the same people make the same mistakes with the same words. So almost it's worth pr- producing your, your list of words that you always get wrong, isn't it? Always. I mean, we all have blind spots. Mine is consensus. Consensus, I just want to spell with a C in the middle. Ah, and it's an S, is it? It's an S. C, con. And so how would, how, would, how would you, what would your clue be for remembering consensus? Well, I just remember there's got absolutely nothing to do with the census, taking a census, which is a very sen- negative way of remembering Taking a census it. is a con. Very good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So it's C-O-N-C-E-N-S-U-S. Yes. Suss like it that. out. Um, going back to word origins, uh, the, the, the word terror, uh, T-E-R-R-A, meaning earth, you'll find in lots of things, you know, terracotta, obviously, baked earth, but Mediterranean, it's sort of, it's sea in the middle of the earth and it's got a double R. So just remember the terror. Um, terrain is there as well. Um, if you, I mean, it's wonderful because now the school curriculum, certainly in Britain, does include learning about word origins. And I think this is really, really going to help. And that's going to help people go, what about millennium? Millennium, uh, well, if you remember that Mila meant um, a thousand in Latin, so that, that's yeah. a little bit tricky. Well, I, I tell you my one for that because mm-hmm. I had to do that. You know, when the millennium came around, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago now, uh, it's a thousand years, isn't it, a millennium? Yes. And incidentally, when did the new millennium begin? Was it in 2001 or was it in 2000? Well, I thought 2000. Yeah, I think it's 2001. I think 2000 is the end of the last millennium. Mm. So I think it's later than you think. It's all a matter of perspective. Oh, it's earlier than you think. Anyway, I think we've got another year to go. Okay. It's giving me an extra year of life. Millennium is a thousand years. My clue is this. It's a big number and therefore calls for the max. Two M's, two I's, two I's, two L's, two N's. So it's a double everything. Millennium. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? Mississippi. Ah, That's hard. That's hard. It's a big river, double the size of most, double S, double S, double P. Or Mississippi, Mississippi water. <laughs> anyway, I've had, I've had fun listing all the words that I find, you know, um, Parliament. I always found spelling oh, Parliament yes. difficult. And then I thought when I was there, because as you know, I was a, an MP until the people spoke, the bastards. Um, <laughs> I was in Parliament. Parliament, home of the big I am. Oh, I love you get that. it? I am parliament. But again, that's the origin of it, isn't it? Parliam, parlying. It's talking. It's talking, isn't it? Yes. So parlez-vous. Yeah. It's the parlour. The parlour in, in uh, you know, the old time for the sort of sitting room in the house. That was where you did all your Do talking Do you have words that you find difficult to spell? Um, I t- on countdown, quite often, I just have a sudden blind spot. Do you ever have these where I just think actually either looks really odd when you write it down, E-I-T-H-E-R. Yeah. There's no other way to spell it, but I have this sudden crisis of confidence. Can I say? And I'm supposed to be the arbiter. Whenever I see the word shop fitting, I always see the word shop lifting. Lifting. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not alone in that. No. It's quite curious. We began with doubt and there being no B. I have been trying to construct a an alphabet of words where there is a silent letter in the word. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You're not actually pronouncing the A, are you? Bread. Oh, or the H. Uh, there's no Oh, you are, a. actually. Sorry. Are you? Backtrack. <laughs> no, you're not. Aesthetic. The A isn't there. Bread. The A isn't there. A D. Uh, B. Debt. Mm-hmm. You can't hear that, can you? C. Indictment. Muscle. 
silent scene. Indictment, by the way, remember it's related to dictation because it's all about telling people. Dictionary, dictator, all of that stuff. Indictment, that's why there's a C there. Mm. Handkerchief. Yes. Is there a D in handkerchief or not? Not the way we pronounce it. No. But actually, I've got, I'll come back to that because I have a whole load of words that have these sort of the secret lives that were an open secret. Uh, but we've changed the sound and so we don't recognise that secret anymore. Oh. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. It's an interesting one because handkerchief, hanky is mm. H-A-N-K-I-E. Yes. But handkerchief. Mm, kerchief, your hand. Yeah. But the, you don't pronounce the D, so it's a silent no. D. Wednesday, you don't pronounce the D in Wednesday, and yet there is one. Um, e, fate. Fate. You don't really pronounce the E in fate, do you? Isn't fate no, e? you don't tend to, when there's a vowel at the end. Well, Fine, there's an e give, at the end like, name. I mean, you know, it's a waste of an E. Mm. Hapney, hapney, hapney. There's no F in hapney, is there? But it's a half penny, that's how you spell it. Oh, these are uh, uh, G, Nat, Nor, High, Phlegm, Sign, Though, H, Daughter, Echo, uh, I, Business, Business, Business. Yes, there's no, there's it wasn't I, about being busy. There's a, uh, it really, it, anyway. Oh, no, I you can, haven't come to K, my favourite, because okay. we used to pronounce all the Ks. I will just go to K today, we'll do the rest another day. I, uh, my I was Business and Friend, because mm-hmm. it's F-R-E-N-D, but there's an I in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, K is, my, the ones I've listed are knee. Mm, knee. Knife. Knife. Knite. I'm knight. Not, not, cannot, and no. Okay. We used to pronounce the Ks and I, how You're I wish joking. that we did. No, so knight is from the German knecht, meaning a boy, because a knight was a young squire. Uh, or knecht was a young attendant upon a squire. Knecht, yeah. Uh, if you're seen... new to this podcast, I ought to explain that one of Susie's obsessions is the beauty of the German language. You've just got to go along with that. And actually, the way she speaks it, she does make it sound... I, I think she was there during her adolescent years, because when she says these German words, she sort of looks 15 years younger. <laughs> so she looks about, <laughs> seven, keep talking German. about 17. And the way you said boy there, I think Knecht. there was... Yeah, there was an echo. Yeah. Um, okay, so we used to pronounce the K, uh, Knecht. And then Knight gradually got lost because we simply couldn't get our tongue round it. And um, actually, so many instances uh, in English of where we couldn't quite get the sound of the word that we borrowed. And so we mangled it completely and have lost all trace of where we began. I'll, I will come back to that. Uh, but yes, we had um, Knight, which would, of course, differentiate from night time. And it was really, really useful. We talked about knees. I've hurt my knee. But as I say, we couldn't quite pronounce it. It was a foreign sounding word. It was a Germanic word. And so we just sadly lost them over time. And how I wish we had those Ks because I love them. We want the kicking Ks back. We do. Knees up, Mother Brown. Knees <laughs> up, Mother Brown. Now, look, I want to hear your trio in a moment, but you promised to come back to handkerchief and a story yes, there. Yes, I did. Um, I was thinking about this, actually, this very morning. Um, just think of all the words which, as I say, once wore their hearts on their sleeves. So... Uh, a secretary was once a secretary because a secretary was a keeper of secrets, which, of course, modern secretaries probably are too. Um, a cupboard was a cupboard, board being a table. So it was originally a table with, or, or eventually a kind of chest with lots of shelves where you kept your cups. Breakfast, break fast. It's where you break your overnight fast. One of my favourite etymologies ever is the daisy. The daisy is a mangling of day's eye because it's a flower that opens its petals at dawn to reveal that central yellow disc and then closes them again at night. So it's the eye of the day. Daisy was day's eye. And there's so many where pronunciation, had it been kept and had it remained intact, would absolutely tell you so much about the history of the word and the thinking behind it, you know, of the people who coined it. But we've, we've 
changed the sound and so we've lost those memories. Well, thanks to something rhymes with purple, maybe there's going to be revival in all this and we're going to be saying Daisy properly and we're going to be having our knees knocking <laughs> together nicely. No, it's not nicely, nicely. <laughs> well, that'll tell the difference. What is your trio? Every, uh, if, you're, if you're regular to this podcast and, and if you are, we hope you are and we hope you review it and spread the word. But one of the features is we have a, a trio every time from Susie Dent of words that she thinks are interesting and we then see if we find them interesting too and they may have an interesting etymology or story behind them. What have you got for mm. us today? New words. because Well, I should probably start with Borborygmas. I'm not going <gasps> to, <gasps> simply because my stomach did just rumble. So anybody who heard that, apologies. What uh, was the word you said? Borborygmas. Bor- uh, that's a good spelling one. Uh, that's simply stomach rumbling. Well, that's not one of my first words. Okay. My first word is uh, related to the title of our podcast, Something Rhymes with Purple. And uh, that might seem a bit curious because purple famously has no rhyme, at least that's what people say. But there is one. If you delve into the most wonderful 19th century work by somebody called Joseph Wright, who's this fantastic man who went collecting local dialect up and down the land and came up with the English Dialect Dictionary. It is a treasure trove of local words. Anyway, in there you will find the word herple, spelled H-I-R-P-L-E. It does rhyme with purple and to herple is to limp and to walk with difficulty, especially after a very, very long walk. I love it. To herple. Herple rhymes with purple. That's why we are so called. And the point of this whole podcast is it does pay to increase your word power. Mm. I mean, you know, language is power. The better you use the language, the more successful, the happier you will be. Two more from your place. Okay. Uh, Well, this one relates to spelling. It's, again, one of those words that has siblings that might possibly help you remember how to spell it. I'm hoping you probably won't need to spell it too often, and that's sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. That being... Being like a tomb, like a, tomb. a it's a I think of it as being made of stone, yes, a sarcophagus. Absolutely right. It's got a C in it, and you can remember that by knowing it's related to sarcasm, because a sarcophagus was a sort of, as you say, limestone tomb that would gradually decompose the body that was buried within it. Uh, it's related to sarcasm because the origin of sarcasm was biting flesh. So the idea is that if somebody makes a sarcastic remark, it's so caustic that it actually burns oh, your flesh. Biting flesh. How yes. do we spell the rest of sarcophagus? Uh, it's um, S-A-R-C-O-P-H-A-G-U-S. And what's so it's the f- flesh swallowing. And what's so the fuscus? It's related to esophagus. It's a kind of swallowing bit. Oh, my God. As in esophagus. Exactly. Esophagus. All these things linked together. This is, oh, my God. This is why when I wanted my appendix out, I felt you would be the person. (laughs) Anyway, go on. Okay, third third one. one? The third one is just a useful one. It's something I do every single morning, but particularly at the weekends. It is pandiculating. Pandiculating is a word that simply means stretching and yawning at the same time. Pandiculating. Yes. It doesn't really sound like it. But... I'm pandiculating now. Exactly. Because I've had such a relaxing time with you. Good. I love our Not podcasting together. I really do. Those are three fabulous words. And I love knowing that sarcasm comes from biting flesh. It's quite grim. Because I like making the odd sarcastic remark I myself. Know. Biting flesh. Mm, That's it for this time. What are we calling this podcast now? Something Rhymes with Purple. Something Rhymes with Purple. And now we know it does. If you've enjoyed it, please review us. Give us whatever the maximum is. Or just keep quiet. Uh, And if you liked it, tell tell your friends. It's Charles Brown. It's Susie Dent. It's Something Rhymes with Purple. And it's purple. I'm going to limp off into the sunset. 
with my knees. Knocking. Come with you. No good.